The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. I am professional wrestler Chris Rex, and if you're hearing my voice, that means you're listening to the Bear of Texas podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Into the Net FC, the soccer talk discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. I am the host, the Bear of Texas, reporting live from an undisclosed location deep in the heart of Texas. Unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, I regret to inform you that once again, my good friend and mentor Steve Adams will not be joining me this week. But you know what? This week, I'm going to go ahead and do my best to give a recap of last weekend's Premier League session. And I'm going to go ahead and talk about a little bit about the Nations League. And I have a very special subject based on an article I wrote. It's basically about another what-if in the history of soccer. I'm going to keep it as a surprise. And I'm going to save it the best for last. Well, honestly, I'm going to, be, I'm going to come straight to the point. Last weekend's Premier League campaign, a bit of surprising results. Some not surprising, well, one of them in particular, actually two of them in particular, quite surprising. So let's get right to it. I'm going to go and start off with Southampton and Newcastle. Well, when I talk about Southampton, the biggest surprise as far as Southampton goes is that they are currently fourth in the Premier League. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, fourth. Five wins, one draw, and two losses. <laughs> I mean, Southampton's doing pretty damn good, but I'm sure a lot of critics believe this is just for the time being. It won't be long till Southampton falls apart and goes back to the bottom of the Premier League where they belong. Well, I'm not here to tell you all that. Southampton is doing so far so good. If they keep it up well, the future is going to be bright because right now they're in position to possibly qualify for the UFA Champions League. And that would be huge for the club. Unfortunately, as far as Newcastle goes, well, this is just a horrible year. Well, another average to very disappointing year so far. Three wins, two draws, three losses. A negative three goal differential. Ten goals forced while allowing allowing a total of 13. Actually, I got that wrong. They scored ten goals allowing 13. That's not the best results. But you know what? They're above my club. My club, as you all know, is Manchester United. And despite pulling off a 3-1 amazing win against Everton on the road, Manchester United somehow got it done. I'm going to take a little moment to talk about this game. Now, I did have, (laughs) believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, I myself, I'm not what you call an early riser. I do not wake up early to watch Premier League games. I mean, I'll get up early to watch these special games, like if it's the World Cup or if it's the Champions League, then I make an exception. But... Somehow this case, somehow that day, I was able to get up early 
and watch part of the game. And as soon as I saw Bernard score in the 19th minute to put Liver, Liver, excuse me, not Liverpool, put Everton up one nothing, I was like, oh boy, here we go, total destruction, another bad game coming for the Red Devils. However, six minutes later, Bruno Fernandez equalizes, but I am still being skeptical about the situations. I figured, okay, Manchester United got lucky, they equalized, but the game's over, Everton's gonna pull it through. However, seven minutes later, Bruno Fernandes comes through again, and it's 2-2-1. However, ladies and gentlemen, I regret to inform you that I was still skeptical because the fact that it lasted so long, I figured now that we're in the ninth, we're in the ninetieth minute, we're in stoppage time. Any second now, Everton is going to equalize, and it's going to be finished in another heartbreaking jaw for Manchester United. However, honestly. Based on how this game ended, I am eating my words. Even they made me sick to my stomach. But you know what? I'm glad because it's sad that I doubted my own club. And yet they came back and they got the job done in spectacular fashion. Ladies and gentlemen, the exciting part is that in the fifth minute of stoppage time, Edinson Cavani scores to put the game away. And what better way to score your first goal for Manchester United in that kind of style to seal the deal? Well, in this case, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has saved his job for the time being. However, it's still not quite, it was what people would say, safe. Manchester United is down in 14th place. Three wins, one draw, three losses, scoring a total of 12 goals while allowing a total of 14 a negative two goal differential. That is honestly no ten points after uh, after seven games. That, ladies and gentlemen, is quite unacceptable, especially for me as a Manchester United fan. And next week, in eleven days, they will, Manchester United will play West Brom. Manchester United better not lose this game. Okay. Now, moving on to another game, another game that the result you know caught me by surprise. Leeds United losing 4-1 to to Crystal Palace. You know, had Steve and I predicted, predicted this game, you know, I would have said Leeds United wins 2-1. to But Crystal Palace really takes it by storm, and they went 4-1. to And speaking of Leeds United, it was not long ago that they were truly off to an amazing start. They were strong. They were in the top five, you know, definitely the top ten. But I was, was certain at one point they were in the top five in the Premier League. And now all of a sudden, they are down to 15th. What the hell happened to this team, man? You know, back-to-back 4-1 losses. On the November 2nd, a 4-1 loss to Leicester City. And then just a couple days ago, a 4-1 loss to Crystal Palace. Okay? It seems that after that draw against Manchester United, things didn't go so well. I mean, that one nothing loss to Wolverhampton... Although they managed to beat Aston Villa 3-0. But the last two games, you know, allowing a total of eight goals. Man, oh man, oh man. This is not good for Leeds United. They better get it together. But their next game is against Arsenal. Followed by a game against Everton. After that, they got Chelsea. And then followed by West Ham United. Well, things are not... Things are... This is going to be quite a difficult road ahead for, for these fellas. I can only hope that they're able to uh, get it together because, you know, this is their first time back in the Premier League in God knows how long. 
it would be a shame to only spend one year in the top flight of English football. Now, we talk about a little bit about West Ham and Fulham. Well, speaking of Fulham, it was amazing that last week, well, the week, well, you know, not this particularly this past week, the weekend, uh, week before this week, I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go and take a look on November second. They finally got their first one of the season when they beat they beat West Brom two to nothing. Well, as far as that goes, at least they finally were able to get three points. But to go from winning to suffering a one nothing loss on the road to West Ham, well, that's certainly not very big news for Fulham. But on the bright side, they are out of the regulation zone and they are in 17th place. So there is a bright side after all. At least they are no longer in the relegation zone. But they're still close, so... By all means, they need to find a way to keep winning because they want to avoid the regulation zone at all cost. Let's go ahead and move to Arsenal and Aston Villa. Ladies and gentlemen, I guarantee you that I I would be a liar if I said, oh, of course Aston Villa is going to pull off a 3 nothing win on the road. If I had... If I were to say that right now, ladies and gentlemen, you would be right to call me a pathetic liar because that's exactly what I would be. Never did I ever think that Arsenal would suffer such a humiliating loss at home to Aston Villa. Now, honestly, Aston Villa's been actually pretty good this year. Five wins and two losses. <laughs> Currently in sixth place in the Premier League. That's not too bad. But let me go back to Everton. The fact that they lost, you know, they started off strong. At one point, they were 4-0, I believe, if I'm correct. Four straight wins, and then ever since then, three losses and one draw. Everton's beginning to fall apart. I don't know what the hell's going on. I don't. But speaking of Everton, the fact that I went back to speaking about Everton, that brings me to Arsenal because even Arsenal got off to a straight to a strong start. I believe at one point they were 3-0. I could be wrong, but the bottom line is they were off to a good start. But Arsenal has fallen down to 11th place, 4 wins, and 4 losses. Scoring 9 goals, allowing 10. 12 points total. That is not good for the Gunners, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely not good. Now we get to Manchester City and Liverpool. Man, oh man, oh man. It seems that Steve's hunch was right, ladies and gentlemen, because... Losing Virgil van Dijk. The defense all of a sudden, you know, showing cracks. It's just not looking good at all for Liverpool, for the Reds. Mohamed Salah would score first. 13th minute off of a penalty. Only for Gabriel Jesus to equalize in the 30th, excuse me, in the 31st minute. Now, fortunately for Liverpool, it was able to uh, stay at a draw because, you know, Manchester City could have inflicted more damage because, you know, Manchester City was able to complete 555 passes, maintain an 85% pass accuracy, okay, but only seven shots with only two shots on target. So Liverpool kind of got lucky that the Manchester City could not score because if Manchester City was able to get the ball through, Liverpool would have been in big trouble. Liverpool could have lost big time. Fortunately, Manchester, Manchester City could not do anything. Liverpool was able to hold on for the draw. Okay, but as I talk about this, Liverpool too, they could have scored, but they could not do it either. It seems like the attack was bland for both teams, and that's why the game ended with a 1-1 to draw. Now, as I look at the standings as far as those two go, 
Liverpool's currently in third, while Manchester City's down in tenth place. Manchester City's just—it's just been such a mysterious year. Three wins, three draws, and one loss. Um, you know, s- several losses. You know, being surprising. But now I want to get to Chelsea and Sheffield United. Well, after nine minutes, Sheffield United had the lead, but I really wasn't gonna say that. Oh, they're gonna hold on to win because Chelsea. Despite the horrible defense, Chelsea is able to score. And then Tammy Abraham would score in the 23rd minute. And then nine minutes later, it would be 2-1. to one. It would stay like that for the majority of the game until the 77th minute when Thiago Silva would make it 3-1. to one, Followed by Timo Werner making it 4-1 to one in the 80th minute to seal the deal. So Chelsea got out to a slow start. They got it together. And they won, you know, maintaining 71% of ball possession. 762 passes compared to Sheffield United's 320 and 87% pass accuracy. Wow. 20 shots, but only 9 shots on target. I mean, Chelsea, we know, honestly, kind of having a a bit of a good day, uh, if I might might say so myself. Now if I'm looking at Tottenham. (laughs) Tottenham with a 1-0 win on the road against West Brom. Now, Harry Kane scoring in the 88th, 88th minute. Well... Obviously, it's an ugly result. You know, not scoring until the 88th minute, but you know what? A win's a win. Got to give it to Tottenham. They're now in second place. Five wins, two draws, and one loss. And Leicester City. Leicester City came off with a 1-0 win against the Wolves, and Leicester City is on top of the Premier League. Wow. This has really been quite the start to the Premier League this season. <laughs> it's just been so much serious. Southampton in the, in the top five. The likes of... Manchester City, Arsenal, Manchester United, all under, you know, all, you know, ranked 10th or worse. Crystal Palace, you know, ranked higher. Everton's, you know, at one point being the best team in the, the best team in the flight. Oh, boy. I mean, I don't know if it's just me or that 2020 has just been crazy, even in the sport of soccer. You know, I'll be honest, maybe, maybe it's just me. I don't know. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. And, you know, Match 8, you know, is complete. There's 30 matches to go. Plenty of soccer left to play. So we can expect more and more unexpected results to change. The stats is going to get better. The standings are going to change. Ladies and gentlemen, I dare say we are in for more surprises. A lot more surprises. So, I'm telling you the stats right now. Dominic Calvert-Lewin of Everton is currently tied with Jamie Vardy and Mohamed Salah as well as Sun Hung Min. For the Premier League's top scorer. All four of those guys have a total of eight goals each. Followed by Harry Kane and Patrick Bamford of Leeds United who both have seven. Huh. You know, Harry Kane leads the leads the Premier League in, in assists with a total of eight. It's just, you know, it's just been quite the mysterious start. But you know what? In my case, as a sports writer and a podcaster, these surprising results, that's what creates the story. That gives me the subjects to write about. But in these cases, this is what I really miss, my friend Steve. But don't you worry, ladies and gentlemen, he will be back. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let me shift the focus to the Nations League. As this weekend, the final two games will be completed. My country, France, will play Portugal on the road, and they will finish it out next Tuesday... On the 17th, at home against Sweden. Oh boy, you know, as much as I hate to say this, 
I really don't think France is going to be able to pull off some, a win against Portugal on the road. It pains me to say this, but I, I, I just don't know if I see that happening. If somehow, some way, France is able to draw a zero, hold a zero zero draw, and then have a huge win against Sweden, there is a strong possibility that France will be able to win their group and make up for what happened last season. However, at the same time, they're gonna—they better hope that Croatia finds a way to beat Portugal in the final game. But, ladies and gentlemen, that is unlikely to happen. I think it's safe to say that France and Portugal will be in the, in the top two, but only one team can advance to the playoffs. And right now, it, it looks to be like it's going to be Portugal. Portugal scoring nine goals, allowing just one, while France scoring seven goals, allowing three. Both tied at ten points. Both have three wins and one draw. If it comes to, if it ends in a 0-0 draw, it's going to come down to whoever can score the most goals. If both France and Portugal win their game, it's, it's going to go down to who scored the more goals. It's going to go down to goal differential. France is going to have to find a way to either beat Portugal or hold them to a draw and just hope for the best in the final game. Now, I'm looking at the other groups. Spain, currently leading League A Group 4, two wins, one draw, one loss, with Germany in second with one win and three draws. You know, speaking of Germany, it's just... Ever since that disastrous World Cup campaign as the defending champions two years ago, the Germans just have not been able to pick it, put it together, find their winning groove. You know, I speak to my good friend Keith Teeter, who's a strong supporter of the German national team, and he has been telling me, Alex, they need to get rid of Joachim Lowe. He's no longer, he's, he, he's, there's no more good for, you know, he doesn't do the team any more good. The, the national team probably has no more use for him. It's time to make changes to the schemes, to the formation. It's time to change the play style. It's time for a fresh start. That's, that's the point Keith stresses to me. And Keith may be absolutely right. In this case, the question is, if Joachim Lowe is fired, who would be the guy to take over? Now, I told him, you may not want to hear this, but I think Joachim Lowe, the Euro 2021, that may be the last time we see Joachim Lowe as the manager of the German national team. If somehow Germany has a great has a great run in the tournament, last of the semifinals, maybe, just maybe he'll stay. But as far as Germany making that making it that far, it's hard for me to say this, but I'm just honestly not sure. But we have to wait and see. You know, Belgium seems to have their group in uh, intact. Three wins, one loss. You know, Denmark and England in the same group. You know, both have two wins, one draw, and one loss. So England and Denmark are going to have to fight out for who finishes second. But the problem is, finishing second is unlike is not likely to get you anywhere. So it's about finishing in first place. And then Poland and Italy and the Netherlands <laughs> battling out in League A Group 1. Just such amazing results. Scotland is on top of their group. You know, for Scotland to win their group, you know, that would be huge, you know, to finally have some success in soccer because, you know, Scotland hasn't qualified for a Euro since 1996 and they're still in contention. They haven't qualified for a World Cup since 1998. The Scottish national soccer team needs to reach deep down inside themselves and finally find a way to find some success for the national team. It's been too long since they've had success. They've suffered too long. 
It's time for a change. It's time for the change to get to some positivity. Now, I'm not going to go through all the rest of the groups and going through all these interesting ones right here, but it seems like the European superpowers seem to be in control. But France is, uh, well, some of them, actually, I should say, are, seem to be in control. But th the fate of some of them do not look pretty good. So, now as I'm looking at the st uh, stats, Erling Brutt-Holland of Norway is the top scorer <laughs> of this Euro. You know, many players, you know, tied, you know, he's got six. And then Iran Zahavi of Israel is the second with five. And then there's just a major tie with four goals and three goals. Wow. Unbelievable. Now, as far as the Nations League goes, ladies and gentlemen, I'm still not fully into it yet. Like, everybody's still saying it's worthless, it's not fun, it lacks importance. You know, for me, I just love to watch soccer, and if it's anything competitive, I'll take it. I'm still trying to understand the philosophy, you know, how it goes, what good it does, you know, the outcomes of it. That's what I'm trying to say, but I'm not there yet. Now, I'm going to take a look at these matches. On Saturday, Germany will play Ukraine, and Germany has to pull off a win. It's going to be at home. Germany should be able to get it done. Spain will play Switzerland on the road, but Spain should be able to take care of business. As I mentioned earlier, France has to play Portugal on the road, and I don't know if France is going to be able to pull it off. But if somehow they win, or they manage to hold Portugal to a draw, then so be it. Sweden plays Croatia at home. Scotland will play Slovakia on the road. Netherlands has Bosnia and Herzegovina at home. Italy plays Poland at home. Belgium and England, you know, well, Belgium has England at home, and it does not look good for England. England's going to have to find a way to win. If England loses, it's just it's not going to be good for them. But again, you know, it's the Champions League. Everybody's going to say it's the Champions League, Alex. Who the hell cares? Well... Whether it's a friendly, it's a Nations League, if, if, if everybody says it's worthless, you know, I'm not going to argue with you, I respect your opinion, but no matter what the circumstance, no matter what kind of competition, whether it's exhibition, whatever, there's never an excuse to not make an effort to win. It's about pride, it's about representing the country, it's about preparing for the future, just like World Cup qualifiers. France needs all the positive results they can get, because it's never easy for them to qualify for the World Cup. In fact, it has me scared to death every single year. So, ladies and gentlemen, the point is, positive results are always needed no matter what the circumstances. Now, I wrapped up, officially wrap up, Nations League talk. And I've got the surprise I've been wanting to talk about. It's about one of the biggest what-ifs in soccer. Now, last week I spoke about what if Sir Alex Ferguson had stayed as the manager of the Scottish national soccer team. Well, this week, another thing came to mind. And I was it came to mind when I was watching the Manchester United game. And a certain name came to my mind. I was thinking of Eric Cantona. Obviously, to Manchester United fans, he's often considered to be the greatest player in the club's history. Now, honestly, as far as Eric Cantona goes, I respect him. He's, he was a great player. Now... I don't consider him to be my favorite player for the club because I'm gonna be honest, I didn't I didn't watch him play like you know his great his huge years, everything like that you know I was I was just a kid it was either before I was born or I was just a little kid I mean that incident you know the what if I'm talking about is what if his his infamous 
kung fu kick incident never took place. You know, I was two years old when this when this particular incident took place. As a matter of fact, it took seven days after my second birthday. Now, I do <laughs> believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, I actually do remember watching that game on TV. Okay, I mean, I don't know how I remember it so well, but I do. I mean, I even remember how my dad reacted. And as far as my dad, you know, his reaction goes, he's just lucky that my mom was not in the room because based on what he said, he would have been in big trouble for cussing in front of a two-year-old kid. <laughs> well, so let's say the if the incident never happened, how would things have turned out? Well, number one, I'd like to say, if the incident had not happened, I do not see Eric Cantona... Retiring from the game at the age of 30 in 1997. I would think that Eric Cantona's career probably would have gone for at least probably another 10 years. Eric Cantona was driven. He had a passion. He loved the game. But being suspended for 8 months, you know, including a suspension from international football. And, you know, as we know, Emi Jacquet, who was the manager of the national team at the time, stripped Eric Cantona of his captaincy rank of the French national team. And he was never selected. You know, we go back to the infamous omission of the 1996 Euro. You know, I even re- I even remember my dad reacting to that. And he was unhappy about it because my dad is a huge fan of Eric Cantona. If you listen to the previous episode when I talk about him and Didi Deschamps with Steve, I've said it you know, numerous times. My dad loves Eric Cantona and my dad is not a fan of Didi Deschamps. It's unfortunate, really, the whole situation. Now, I was three years old when the 1996 uh, Euro took place. I was too young to understand the omission of Eric Cantona. I was too young to be upset about it. The problem is, you know, after France failed to qualify for the 1994 World Cup, Emi Jacquet, who took over as the manager, had to rebuild the team and prepare it for the 96 Euro. And when that happened, he appointed Cantona as the captain. So when Cantona was stripped of the captaincy rank and then omitted from the team, had I been at this age right now, if I was 27, I would have said, well... It stinks that he's not being part of the team, but let's be honest. When Eric Cantona was representing France, how much success did the French national team have? I mean, the, the answer is honestly zero. If I remember correctly, he was from he was with the national team from 1987 to about 1995, I believe. I mean, missing out on the, on the 1990 World Cup, the 1994 World Cup, uh, a bad campaign in the 1992 Euro... I mean, it's, it's unfortunate because Cantona is a huge name, you know. I'm sure, you know, a lot of French people still have a whole lot of respect for him. But it's hard. It, it's a hard pill to swallow for the fact that even with Cantona's presence on the national team, there was no success. So, Jacquet must have believed that it was time to move on and bring in some young players to develop the team for the future because France was, due to, France was hosting the 1998 World Cup. So he had to bring these young players a few years earlier to prepare them for the... It was, it was about to prepare for the future. That's what it was about. It was about the future, not the past. You know, Cantona you know, would have been 32 years old by the time, you know, the, the 1998 World Cup would have happened. But to answer your question, okay, as far as the French national team goes, if the suspension had never taken place, there was absolutely no doubt in my mind that he would have been part of the 96 squad and Eric Cantona would have been on the 1998 World Cup squad. Now, would a France want it with Cantona? Well, I'm not going to say no. I mean, sure. If Zidane was was still on the team, if Zidane and Cantona were able to connect well, you know, the, the midfield to the striking position, there's no no doubt in my mind that e- even with Eric Cantona on, on the squad, France still would have been able, able to win the World Cup. Now, in, in this case, who would have been omitted if Cantona was still there? Well, that's an answer we'll never know. 
some people believe that maybe Thierry Henry would not have been called up to the team. I mean, I don't think that's true because Eric because Thierry Henry was such a you know was you know was young at the time. I believe he was twenty one years old when France won it in ninety eight. So, as far as the national team goes, if if the Kung Fu incident had never taken place, Cantona probably would have still been part of the national team. He, he, I'm sure he would have captained the team in the 98 World Cup. And I don't know how much different that would be. But as far as Manchester United goes, I believe that the suspension really hurt Cantona. I mean, it did. It really did because when Eric Cantona retired from the game at the age of 30... He claims that he retired from the game because he no longer had passion for the game. He explains that as long as you have passion for it, you love the game. Once you no longer have passion, you no longer love it. So for Eric Cantona, in his case, he no longer loved the game, so he retired. But I believe that the, the suspension hurt him so bad because he, he could not train. He could not play in, in any game. He, he probably couldn't even be in the facility, in, in Manchester United's training grounds. So, you know, for him to be away from football for that long, it really it really makes me believe that that's what took his passion away from the game. He was taken away from the game, and then thus he lost so much interest in it. I mean, it's just merely my opinion. I mean, if anybody has a different opinion, I, I'm willing to listen, but I firmly believe that the suspension is really what causes it, for him to lose passion for the game. And I know that him losing his spot and his captaincy ranking on the French national team, you know, personally hurt him. From what I understand, that even today he's still upset with the French national team. I mean, I, I'm sure that you know, I'm not, as as far as him reconciling with the national team, I'm not sure if it's gonna happen. I mean, Steve and I had that had this conversation a couple weeks ago, if whether or not Didier Deschamps and Eric Cantona would ever reconcile. And Steve, you know, made a good point explaining no. And honestly, I really don't think those two will ever will ever reconcile. I don't think there'll ever be any Christmas Christmas greetings between the two. But overall, as far as what what if the incident never happened, well, I'm sure things would have played out different, but I believe that his career would have lasted longer, both at Manchester United and with the French national team. Because, it's, like I said, I believe that the suspension hurt him so bad that it took his passion and love for the, for the game away from him. That's just the way I see it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate y'all tuning in. Once again, I deeply apologize that Steve was again not here this week. Steve's been, you know, very busy with some stuff. I, you know, I had the honor of seeing him last Saturday. Last Saturday, that um, it was great hanging out with him, talking some soccer. Don't worry, ladies and gentlemen. I promise you, Steve will be back. I haven't asked him exactly when yet, but all I can tell you is that he will be back soon. And there's other great things to be excited about. I'd like to remind you that Into the Net FC is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Well, enjoy the international break, and we'll see y'all next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.